Today, my guest on Cutting Oranges is a proud Mutti Mutti Gundijamara woman, Jakara Egan. Jakara is a lifelong footy lover. She grew up watching her father Phil play for Richmond and first pulled on the boots in her late 20s before pushing into the coaching space. Jakara is the first Indigenous woman to coach both a boys and girls NAB League team. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. Jakara, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, as I said before, you're the first guest who I don't actually know um, in real life. So, yeah, this is going to be a great conversation, I think. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to yarning up with you and um, getting to know you a little better as well. I must say I got really excited that I got to meet you in person. I am, I am uh, a huge fan of yours. So. Oh, that's, re- that's really too kind. So thanks be, for having me. Yeah. No worries. Should be a good chat. Um, yeah, I just, I guess I'm here to learn a bit about your life, um, the things you've in, you've experienced and what you've learned along the way. So I'll start um, with, could be a simple one or could be a complex one. Um, how did you find yourself in footy? Oh, my route to footy was unfortunately um, delayed, I guess. So as a young woman, I didn't have a pathway um, into footy at all. There was nowhere for me to play. So um, I grew up watching my dad play. So my dad um, played in the VFL, AFL and um, then once, because we were based in Melbourne at that time, and then he retired and we went back home um, to Mildura. And then when we were there, I was just spent the weekends watching him play seniors, watching my dad, um, sorry, my brother play juniors on Sunday and just really informally, like, at school, having a kick with all the boys, playing markers up and, um, but yeah, just never really having that kind of way to play in a, a league or anything like that. Um, so I went down a different road. I went and played a different sport and um, I played softball and, and I went pretty far with that and I got to experience kind of that elite um, athlete pathway through softball so I'm very grateful um, for that experience and I actually didn't come back to footy till I was like 29 Mm. and um, I was in Melbourne, I was here in Melbourne, I've played my first official game of footy um, at the Women's Koori Statewide Carnival um, down at Punt Road so that was pretty um, special that I got to play my first game proper game um, where dad played most of his career Um, and then what was also really exciting about that carnival was I was just thinking about it before um, 17 of the women on that team so the Fitzroy Stars team we we kind of represented quarries in the metro area Mm -hmm. um, Aboriginal women in the metro area Um, 17 of us were mums at the time that we kind of first stepped out on that field together so um, me and my cousin got the bug from that Mm -hmm. and then Went and played my first season with the Preston Bull Ants. Um, thought, I don't have a lot of time here. So went and trialled in some open trials for the VFLW, a couple of VFLW teams and, and just got really lucky in um, getting an opportunity to play with Melbourne Uni and um, training and with the girls down at the North, Mel- um, North Melbourne footy ground down at Arden Street and going through their program. So... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, even though a little delay, like absolutely making the most of it and was absolutely loving it and, and still am loving it now that um, I've gone into that kind of coaching pathway as well. So mm-hmm. um, just making the absolute most of every opportunity really. Yeah, yeah. And you've 
ripped through a fair bit there, so I'm going to jump back. Like, how did how circle d- back? Yeah, we'll circle back. So your dad, uh, Phil, played 125 games for Richmond and just won, ask him, yeah, and, <laughs> and one for Melbourne. Um, so did you spend time at the club ever, or were you sort of always watching from afar? Um, I was a bit young to to remember anything from that time. Mum tells us a lot of stories um, that are pretty cool from that era. Um, so she'd drop us off at the creche and she'd go and w- watch with other, the other wives and girlfriends and that. And um, I remember we, did, we went back there uh, a couple of years ago just for um, a, a Richmond, a men's game. And we we're walking through the Richmond um, museum, I think, that they have there. Mm. Um, and they've got an old board table. And mum kind of goes, oh, your dad had to change your um, your nappies on that table once because I think she cracked it at him and she's like, you're taking the kids with you to training. Um, so, yeah, like just cool stories like that. Um, every time Richmond, the last couple of years that Richmond's been in the, um, uh, in the finals, the family chat's been lit. Dad's just <laughs> sending all the clips of him. So um, I'm happy that he does that because I get to we get to see him play. Mm. Most of my memories of him playing were back home, like when he was playing for Wentworth and Robin Vale and that, so, yeah. Yeah, and it's a pretty unique experience. Like, not many people can say they watch their dad play AFL, so it's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely, yes, yeah. Um, he was pretty good. What, is, what <laughs> was he? <laughs> oh, uh, I think he was a bit of a – I read an article recently, actually. He was a bit of a – what do they call him? A fix-it man or something, like, okay. and everything. Just but um, he was a winger, half-forward, kind of kicked a few goals in his time. So okay. he was pretty versatile. Yeah. yeah. And you were saying that, um, obviously, the pathway, there was no real in for footy for you at that time. Mm. Like, so you moved on um, and played softball. How did you find yourself in the Koori um, State Carnival? How did that happen? How did that happen? Um, just coming back to Melbourne, just reconnecting with Mob back here. Mm-hmm. Um, Vaxel organised the carnival and that was pretty exciting. It's the first time that women had a footy carnival. The men, we normally do, in the, we have the women's football, uh, not women, the football netball carnival. So yeah. men go and play the footy and the women go and play the netball. Um, so Vaxel uh, organised for the women's carnival and just through community connection and the want to play, thinking, oh, this is grouse, you know, I can finally get an opportunity mm. to play. Um, and just wanting to experience that that feeling of um, sisterhood that, that you get when you play with your, with your sisters, um, on a footy field, like, mm. yeah, I wasn't going to pass up that opportunity. So, yeah. yeah, I was happy for that. And we've played um, three carnivals now. Fitzroy Stars are the reigning premiers of all three. So, yeah, that's a, that's a that's pretty exciting for us. Yeah, that's awesome. And and what did it feel like that first game you ever got to play? Uh, I was crapping myself <laughs> no like not so much from expectation I wasn't great just ask my dad <laughs> he was <laughs> pretty I think he was like feedback. yeah he was he's um he's good for that but um he, he just wants us to see like I think he was because he knew I how what the potential I had but I just mm-hmm. hadn't played I hadn't been on the field that much yeah um so my game sense was definitely needed a bit of um tuning up so um 
It was, uh, yeah, no, once you eased into the carnival, it's a couple of games, you ease into it, you get more comfortable. Um, and then I think it was just, I can do better, I know I can do better um, mm. and I want to and I just want to get back out there on the field again. So I just mm. kept going. Yeah, awesome. And that improvement would have been rapid um, from the first state game to when you were playing with Preston because I've got it here that you um, won the inaugural Preston Bullant women's team best and fairest. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and I think you smashed it. I think you got 100 and something votes and the next person was on 60. So you must have had a fairly dominant season then. Um, I, again, I think my game sense kind of needed a bit more developing. So mm. I was very much – I played in the midfield all season and yeah. – um, I was just following the ball, really, and got, getting my hands on the ball. Bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, it was, you know, you put yourself in that environment, you train twice a week, um, then you actually play games. Like that's the best experience, getting out on the field and playing games, no matter what kind of level you're at, you're always going to learn something and build something yeah. um, from that. Um, so, and I've loved, I've always just loved that challenge and that learning so I really just threw myself into it and um I was supported by just a great group of women and um every every line that we had like even though we were a group of women that probably 90% of us had never played footy before yeah um so our first year of footy and we were picking up the game really quickly our skills were developing really quickly together and we were just you know getting around each other and supporting each other on that journey so um I can only really credit the women around me for that kind of um, – for that accolade, yeah. Mm. It's pretty um, hard to describe. It's like a force when everyone's oh. just building together and um, – Oh, absolutely, yeah. And you're just hyping each other up. You're just like yeah. loving seeing – like you said, your sister's just absolutely killing it. Yeah. And then if – and because and you're learning together, mm. it's like if you make a mistake, you're like, oh, no worries, sis, we'll, we'll get that next one. Yeah, yeah, you get the opportunity to, if an error happens, you can bring it back. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I think that's why I've always thrived in team sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd be terrible. I did play a bit of tennis, actually, and I'm bloody terrible at mm. <laughs> just because that's awful. But, yeah, having that support, that vibe and just that love, I guess, around you absolutely is um, the key to anyone's development, I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and you touched on the fact that um, in that Koori State game there were 17 mums in that team and yeah. and you're a mum. Can you tell me a bit about your kids? Oh, I love my boys. <laughs> um, so I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. Um, I was adamant my six-year-old was a girl and I'm like, yes, I'm going to have uh, a little me. I'm going to mm. raise her to be this like really staunch and fierce Um kind of feminist <laughs> and um I went and got that 20 week um scan and uh they said it was a boy and I was like what <laughs> I rang my sister I said we're having a boy and she goes no we're not <laughs> we're having a girl <laughs> um so um and then this and then so that's team and that's Tayton and Archie boys my four-year-old and um they are just the sweetest um and I guess every parent says this, but the sweetest, kindest little boys and being a mum of boys, I feel really blessed. Um, I, I get, And I see this bigger pictures because I want to grow them up in a way that they're super respectful to everyone and especially women and um, they make a real change, like strong, curry men and just make a real positive impact. Um, 
on our community and on anyone they come across really so having them see me and that's what drives me a lot it's like I want them to see me um, doing what I love and that I'm passionate about and having a positive impact on the community and our family and um, so that they know that they can do that and they can do that plus more so um, having them come down to uh, even though they didn't know what was going on and they were bored and wanted to go and watch the iPad and that <laughs> having them come down well they're at that Koori carnival actually and um but uh, I had T-Man in the rooms with me once down at down at the Bull Ants we got a couple of beautiful photos there and um, I'll come home from coaching now coaching at um at the Cannons and I've got my whistle and they're grabbing that and they're saying, oh, I'm going to be a coach like mummy or I'm mm. going to play footy like mummy. And so just raising them in a world where they um, – that that for them, that that gender neutrality, I guess, across the board, like footy's not a men's game. Footy's the game that mummy plays. Um, like that, I think about that all the time and that's just amazing. Like that's what they know. They're not going to know these stereotypes that have held certain groups, women, minority groups, like back for so long. So – um, yeah, they really are, you know, once you become a parent, they just become your driving force and they're your everything. So mm-hmm. everything I, I've done and that have led me to this and continue to do, it's just them at the forefront of mind, really. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. That That's so powerful. Um, yeah, and I can't wait to see what sort of men they grow up to be, having had that strong um, mum in their life. And, and so many boys have, have never seen their mum do stuff like that like there's not many outlets in life where mums get to do that so it's it's pretty incredible yeah and I think it's about um the systems and the kind of environments that we exist in and we grow up in Mm. like right right now um you know the having to talk to the club about um I'm going to come down but I've got to bring the kids with me like that's the only way I'm going to get to training um and people adjusting and 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 building those systems to um support women and mothers or even primary caregivers it's not even mothers it's like if you're a a single dad out there and you want to engage with the community engage with a sport um you know clubs need to to in my opinion need to get on board and really facilitate that and I I guess that's just come up because of the emergence of women in football I know the WNBL were kind of pioneers in this space maybe a couple of years ago in, in developing um, you know, uh, kind of systems to support their women and their mothers to play, especially when they're travelling and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's so important and it's probably uh, a little bit overdue as well for families. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And I, f- I feel like that extends across society in terms of parental leave and all those structures in place for women to return to work or for dads to take time off. Like it's pretty important to get that stuff right. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you watch, um, well, I assume, when you watch AFLW and you see the likes of, you know, Daisy Pierce and Dana Hooker out there playing, like do you have a moment where you like, like the mums? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I do. And, um, and I'm just, yeah, I'm... Um, happy like I don't happy doesn't feel like the right word but mm. yeah there's a um yeah definitely a sense of pride in there that those women um have worked so hard and because it is a lot of hard work like mm. 
have like Daisy had twins I had Mm. one at a time Mm. Mm. (laughs) and that was hard my body took forever to come back to kind of what you would consider normal like it's Mm. such a trauma on the it's a it's a beautiful trauma but it's a trauma on the body so to understand what it takes to recover from that recover and become footy fit Mm. oh my god that is a you know effort in itself like it's amazing so yeah um and that they're so elite at what they do oh, both those women are <laughs> leaders in in not just in their teams but across the league like they are in that elite category they are leading the way yeah yeah so you think about those things that they've overcome just physically but not only physically mentally like mm. and psychologically like adjusting mm. um to that space and to be mum and to be um Daisy Pierce, the deadly football player as well, you know, like mm. the, the, you're wearing multiple hats yeah. and um, you're constantly juggling but um, but you are, they are what we need and what women need to see, to be able to be like, mm. well, we can do this, like why can't we do this? Like, yeah. And, and um, to progress further as well, yeah. 100% and seeing those women like – I, you feel like a mere mortal if you're coming up <laughs> against a mum because you're like, there's this woman, there's nothing she can't do. Like oh. the fact that she's out on this field, like... Yeah. 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 This, yeah. The strength is yeah, Exactly. Like, yeah. Chasing a ball, that's nothing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, so I guess you played at Melbourne Uni for... One season? Was yeah, that right? just in twenty nineteen. <laughs> yeah. Yep. How did you find that in the VFL? Um I loved it. It like yeah, it was a bit of a it was a dream come true. Uh because it was something I never thought I would do. And then I didn't ever think I'd have an opportunity to do. And then coming off the back of the Bull Ants season, people said I was too old. Mm-hmm. So when people – and then I go, well, now I've got to do it because you said I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I just put myself out there and thought, what am I going to lose? Like going to – I trialled at Richmond, um, Essendon and, and Melbourne Uni and, and thought, you know, if even the best that comes out of this is I get a run in the park and get to kick a ball around for an hour or two, mm-hmm. the best outcome is that I might get signed or get recruited or whatever. Um, so just being in that program was so eye-opening in that, uh, the professionalism, um, the way they go about looking after their athletes and, and being a part of that and being, um, your training being, uh, so structured and, and your recovery and, and the women around you as well, who've just got this like laser-like focus, um, mm-hmm to just be the best they can be and, and to to support you through that. And there's just some of the best people down there, like Jazzy Gardner and Jenna Bruton. Um, you know, I remember <laughs> coming towards the end of the season, my running was getting absolutely terrible and doing our um, conditioning stuff. And Jenna would just drop back and I was dropping out to the back of the pack, like I was getting pretty worn out. Um, and she'd just drop back and run with me and mm. – and, you know, everyone knows, like, she can kill it. She's normally up at the front of the pack. But, um, you know, it's stuff like that I'll remember forever. Like, she's just a great human and, like, 
all the girls that were down there. So that experience again and having Dad come to that jump presentation with me, again, another experience I thought I'd never have and super grateful to, to have had. So um, taking that and having seen all of that and experienced that is now really informing how I coach um, and how I approach the Canons program with our um, under-19 men and women. So, yeah, really grateful for that experience. Yeah, and tell me a bit more about your coaching. Like, is that sort of a, a natural fit for you? Like, because you, you're a social worker outside, you're um, a personal trainer as well. Like, did you always see it as something you wanted to do? Yeah, and I think oh, I went into personal training because I wanted to um, – I've been a social worker for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just – I think what really drives me is I, I, I love supporting people to – get to the best versions of themselves and being able to see the potential um, and then facilitate that. Um, So then I wanted to kind of meld the physical with the, because I'm in mental health, with the psychological, like knowing that we aren't, you know, beings that exist in a silo. We're we're really holistic. So all parts of our health rely on our mental and physical health. So I wanted to bring that together and that was my, I did a bit of coaching with softball and loved it. So coaching was always on the cards for me um and then being a fitness coach and you know running sessions and training people one-on-one I was like yeah no this is like I'm loving this this is great um and then trying to kind of make that create a that hybrid kind of uh I guess service you know to combine that um holistic kind of social emotional well-being with the physical movement to to support people to become healthier um and then when that year I was at um Melbourne Uni so my VFL year um I started coaching the juniors down at Fitzroy Stars um Mm -hmm. and I like the under 10s so that was my first footy coach position um and I loved that and um they were just so much fun and we were a mixed team but they were all young men, all little boys because mm-hmm. we lost a few of our young women um, and just being down at the club and, and getting my start um, down at our community club um, was amazing and we had that connection with Carlton down there. So community partnership and uh, Laura Thompson, um, shout out to Arnie Laws down there at Clothing the Gap. Um, she must have been yarning up real big to me for mm-hmm. me with um, – with the mob down at Carlton because then uh, they reached out and I got an opportunity to move into into the Next Gen Academy and and, and coach with um, Taylor and Maddie and, and Lee, the head coach in that program, right before COVID struck. So, yep. again, a bit of a fast progression but just making the most of the, the – op- and super grateful for those opportunities and learning off those women and Lee and, and Zach who was heading up the Next Gen Academy at that time um, and absolutely devastated when – COVID through a spanner in that works. So when the email landed in my inbox saying these NAB League positions are available, mm. you know, consider it. I'm like, well, you, again, what 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 do I have to lose? Mm. So I applied for it and um, got the job and, and just been like just wake up, just jumping out of bed, absolutely passionate about it, just loving um, the opportunity to get out there and work with these young men and women. I mean, the young men kind of scare me. <laughs> They're all about two foot tall. <laughs> um, but really respectful young men and absolutely loving the women's program at the moment. And I think we're 
one for one. So we had a narrow loss on on, on the weekend um, to Oakley, but um, great learning moments for them and just being able to sit with that and be like, well, this is what you need to learn and you learn this early on and you learn to not like losing um, mm. and let that fuel you, fuel you to drive your development. So it's not everything, but this is what you need to to know what you need to do to get to the next level. So, mm. yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> so That's awesome. I feel like, um, the, yeah, the way you approach coaching, looking at all different aspects, like I think you'd approach a player and see them as a complete person, not just the performance out there, but actually delve into what's happening off field, what's what they want to be achieving in football and in life and be able to sort of push them to achieve the best in all those areas. Is that sort of how you feel you approach um, coaching? Yeah, yes, that definitely underpins, um, yeah, my whole coaching philosophy and, mm. like, we're whole people and just having my experiences in in, in softball and um, and then in, in football, just ex- having those experiences of those elite pathways and those development pathways, um, whatever's going on off the field is absolutely having an impact to you on the field and um, I feel like it's our obligation as coaches to understand that because then we can um, yeah nurture these especially young people if you're working with young people through this and um, know how to work with them in the best way that they'll respond to the best and give them the best opportunity to go to wherever it is they want to go whether it's VFLW or AFLW Mm. Um, yeah like we're not silos and um, no, there it goes. I knew this would happen. Mummy brain. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's good. Yeah. It's all good stuff. Um, and I think especially for the young girls now seeing that AFLW, um, you know, you can play at that level, I think having a coach um, which helps them understand that it's probably not going to be a straight line there, like it's going to – there's going to be highs and lows and there's going to be parts that are really tough and where you might have to play in a different league for a bit but then you can dip back in. Like mm-hmm. I think it's really important for girls to know that it's although the pathway's there, it's not always a straight pathway. It can uh, dip around and, um, yeah, there's all different paths to get there. Yeah, and you've got a lot of years um, in your life. Mm. That's actually um, – I was just uh, – one of the – Girls and I think all the co- the whole coaching group down at um, Cannons kind of has a very similar approach, and that's why we work together um, so well. But the fact that we've got young women coming up to us and talking about, oh, I don't know what to do with school, you know, these young women going into Year Twelve University, going, I don't know what I should pick or what I should do, and even though we're not the experts in that, we can definitely listen and we can definitely say, hey, how about you go yarn to this person or your school advisor, like get some better, more information, but. Um, to make better decisions or the best decision for you but it's like uni it's like footy it's like anything Mm. it's just yeah if you don't make it in that in the quickest route sometimes the other roads that will lead you there is just as beautiful like they're just as meaningful um and that's what's meant for you in your life um and just to be able to sit and enjoy it young people are still in such a rush i think we all are you know in this Mm. such a rush to do things and we just and you know if if anything learning off my community my ancestors and that just being able to sit with and just be and and enjoy your life experiences as they come to you um is super important so 
that young woman who was asking about the university stuff, it's like she's um, one of the fellows actually who is a teacher saying, well, you know, you can go to, you don't have to go, you can go to TAFE, you can do this and you, there's always a road in. Mm. And she's like, no, I want to get in there now. I just want to get in there. And we're like, oh, sis, bless you. You know, you just got to learn to that patience. And, and you, I'm, well, that's what I hope I can bring as well, like, just teaching young women to be able to sit with or anyone and young men that I work with, like just sit with and just enjoy and enjoy the journey. Mm. Yeah, just, mm. yeah, I guess just sit in that process rather than always looking at the outcomes. Like I feel like yes. we, yeah. oh, I, I'm sure it's across every, I don't know, if it's just now or if it's always been that way, but often we do get caught up on, what the result is, what the process is, and even when you, it, whether it's good or bad, often that's not what um, brings you happiness and contentment. So it's it's awesome that you're trying to instill that, that those values in um, the next gen coming through. I think that's pretty special. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it, is that sort of where you see um, your future? Is is that where you want to? You're pretty happy coaching, or do you think you'll dip back into playing at any stage? <laughs> the door, I think the door is still open. Like I saw a tweet last night that, you know, it was everyone's talking about the young kids coming through AFLW, but if you look at Erin Phillips, Cora Staunton, I think they're 34 and 39 years old, and they are dominating the competition. Yeah. Um, so, like, age is it's no barrier right now. It depends how you, you're feeling. Um, but, yeah, how do you feel at the moment? Um, yeah, look, like I said, you beforehand, like I'm dipping my toes back in the water. I was pretty, mm-hmm. heading into 2021, I was pretty content to sit with the coaching and mm-hmm. yeah, just loving it. Um, but then playing a few tournaments, a few games here and there at the start of the, well, just a couple of weeks ago and then, um, another game in a couple of weeks time, um, you know, you get the bug back, um. Time-wise, like logistically uh, with the family and coaching and that commitment, um, definitely just putting my focus in in one area um, and just being the best I can be, learning the most I can in this role is really important to me. Um, doesn't stop me that jumping in a drill or something down there. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you need to be on there coaching. <laughs> <laughs> you just tweak the numbers so there's always one less. Oh, I'll, I'll jump in, girls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry, I got this. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I never close any doors. Um, my mum will laugh. When I pulled up, I played in the AFL Nines a couple of weeks ago and got home, could barely move and mum just shook her head and you and your father, they're just, you're just the same and getting a wheelchair for the both of you. So <laughs> um, I think if you look after your body though, you look after your body, you do the recovery, you do the mental work and mm. um, you can do anything and you're right, age is not a barrier. Um, so yeah, like um, who knows? <laughs> just leaving that door wide open. Just, just see what see You what want happens. my number? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to any uh, recruiters. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this week the AFLW um, will celebrate their first ever Indigenous round. Um, do you see? Uh, well, I guess what do you? What are your feelings towards this? Um, just a lot of pride. Uh, I didn't, to be full disclosure, I didn't realise we we're going to have one this year, and then. Um, you know, Jess through the AFL got in contact with me and said, 
you know, oh, this is all happening and it's our first year. And I was like, wow, like, that's amazing. So, um, I mean, what's good for what's good for the boys is good for the girls, right? So some of our women, all of our women, Aboriginal women are just so strong and so staunch. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, we've had to be, because of what happened to us and during colonisation and that and the after effects of that and the intergenerational trauma that our community experiences, our women have had to be the cornerstones of our community mm-hmm. um, and the foundations of our community while our men heal. Not all of our men, but I think our men were really kind of the hardest hit um, during during that time. So needing to be there for families while we did our own healing as well and heal as a community, um, you know, that's that's what I grew up knowing and my matriarchs and my ancestors um, that came before me, you know, they pathed the way for me to be here. So now we get to recognise them um, on one of the Australia's biggest platforms. Like, you know, some, you talk to some people, it's like, oh, it's just footy, like, who cares and that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, how many people watch every week and how many people love this game and um, just the exposure that 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 gives us and like I said the recognition um for the strength of our women it's just just so meaningful so powerful for us so Mm. um and I'm looking forward to like I saw your mobs Guernsey and it's absolutely beautiful Mm. so um and and Adelaide's Guernsey I think that's just their away Guernsey now yeah they've done it for a number of years now their away um jumper is Indigenous well designed by an Indigenous artist which is awesome it's just that yeah, I guess they they wear it with pride whenever they play an away game and um, it's awesome that they've just done it throughout and not waited. Yeah, yeah. So being, yeah, seeing some more clubs kind yeah. of unveil and get on board and I'm sure first year it's always, and given the year that we've got, mm. still in a pandemic and, um, you know, fixtures being released week by week and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure it's just going to grow and it's just going to go on to be just as big as the men's the men's round yeah the long walk and all of that so yeah really excited to see how it develops yeah yeah for sure um and one of your uh, I got a quote from an article um I hope we make rapid progress more than what we have in the last 15 years the fact that we still we are still having a debate over whether or not aboriginal culture and history should be taught in schools is a disgrace change comes from understanding. I think that's a brilliant quote. Um, what would you like to see happen either through the AFL or through society to, I guess, create that change and, and bring that understanding? Oh, big question. Yeah, sorry to unload <laughs> that on you. No, it's like brace yourself. Mm. No, I think the big answer to that is we need to and all of our leaders and our voices, I think, in our community agree on this, is we really need to work towards decolonising and unlearning the systems that keep our mob down. And and that will introduce, by decolonising and de- kind of deconstructing those systems, people then becoming kind of open um, to learning and to kind of relearning ways of being that our culture um, has known about and has thrived from for well over 60,000 years to rebuild this really strong and thriving community as Australia. 
um, I'm just I'm still surprised today. Uh, like my local club in 2019 was Aberfeldy. I moved from Preston to Aberfeldy, and um, I was just surprised at how many young women on that team just had zero idea about what went on, mm-hmm. what the stolen generation was, what colonisation, what happened at the time of colonisation and the impacts of that. I think mm-hmm. people think that this stuff happened, oh, you know, 200-odd years ago and that was it. But, you know, the fact of, fact of the matter is that, you know, my dad grew up on a mission and that's like one generation from me. Maybe a little bit older, it's two generations from the younger mob. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Mm. So those, the impacts are still really affecting us today. Um, and then, like I said, big answer and people go, you know, how do we do that though? Like it's too hard. Um, I think what we've seen over the last couple of years, and especially within the school system, is just... Like I said, the Aberfeldy girls had no idea. Mm. But when you talk to them, they're like, oh, my, really? Oh, like, what can we do? Mm. Um, and then you see more schools introducing that into their curriculum. And that should be. Our history is Australia's history, and that should be in our curriculum. Mm-hmm. And that should be taught to all our young people. Um, and that's the start. And then change, even though it hasn't happened as quickly as we'd like, it does take time. So as long as we're building in those really strong foundations, um, creating safer spaces for our mob to engage in, using our platforms and using our voice um, to to help move along that change. Um, then, you know, allies, white fellas and that, not non-Aboriginal Australians, there are spaces out there, like I said, you know, big, how do you decolonise? How do you deconstruct a whole system? Well, you've got to drive that from yourself. You've got to drive your learning. You've got to drive um, how involved you get with our struggle. Um, you know, it's not... I think there was a big thing about just that posting of black tiles during the Black Lives Matter stuff and then our stuff coming up around, you know, Aboriginal deaths in custody. Mm. You know, people not realizing that happens here. Like it's not something that just happens over there. Yeah, um, we had what did our royal commission into deaths in custody happen in 1996, mm. and we've just implemented a recommendation to decriminalize um, decriminalize public drunkenness. And since that time, across Australia, we've had over 400 deaths in custody. Mm. It's just not good enough, and that shouldn't be happening. So, I mean, taking a step, this I think it was in the last week that was released for Victoria. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome step. Um, and Aunty Tanya Day's family and, and the community have done amazing work and advocacy to make that happen, even though that was a recommendation made in 1996. So people are becoming more open. I think you see at our rallies... Um, Oh, yeah, that's where I was going. That people post them tiles, but then they don't follow it up. We need action and we need mm. you guys to be, um, yeah, with us in that struggle and, and walk with us and, and be show good allyship and, and um, we can't do it on our own and it's not for us mm. to do that work. Um, no, you've need done the work for so long <laughs> and so generous in giving the answers and carefully showing non-Indigenous people the way. So now it's time for us to step up and actually amplify your voices and create the change that you need and yes, that we all need. Because yeah. like, we don't know how good it can get until we make that change. 
Yes, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, seeing uh, Collingwood, I think it is out there, I think the men and women did it in the free the flag yeah. tops. Yeah. Um, you know, even when you walked in today with that top and I've seen some some of the clinicians that I work with walk in with, with different, um, whether it be Clothing the Gap or other Indigenous businesses and mm. people are going out there and sourcing our, our work and our, and our art and our clothing and wearing it with pride, mm. you know, we notice that and we see that um, when we're out and about in the community and I think that goes to making it a safer place for us too to step up and, and have our voice as well. Um so, yeah, it's all, it's, I feel like it, we're in a, even though a lot of trauma has happened to get us here and especially recently, um, I think the, the uh, rallies and, and the protests on Invasion Day just showed how many, how more of our community is getting on board. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, Aboriginal, non-Aboriginal, to say this isn't right, it hasn't been right for a long time and we want this to change. Um, yeah, there's that mum brain again. <laughs> no, that was, <laughs> I felt that was very articulate. So yeah, thank, <laughs> thank you for, um, for, yeah, sharing your insights and how you see us all moving forward. Um, mm. It's really important. And yeah, especially with um, Indigenous Round coming up, like it's really important for all of us to take a step back and think about what or maybe take a step in and think about what we're all doing to push um, change and, you know, what we're doing in our own lives because we all create our own little ripples. So if we're all taking those steps, then, yeah, big change will come. Yeah, for sure. And I talk to um, anyone I kind of work with, whatever work I am doing, um, that, yeah, never underestimate your impact. Like Mm. we all have our own ways and our own strengths to really – create it, send a message or, or be our, our own type of activist, I guess. So if it's not you out there in the marches on the megaphone, but, you know, you can support a black business or um, you can go out there and, and do a course and kind of immerse yourself in our, in our culture and, and um, it's only going to be better for everyone. Mm. Um, like our approach to our ways of being an approach to health uh, and social-emotional well-being is is the best approach in the world and you know I'm super biased but obviously <laughs> but it just covers so much um and it can only make us stronger and healthier as a community awesome well thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me today Jakara it's been unreal hearing about uh your pathway in footy and and all the things you're doing um to progress the game forward and make it a better place for everyone so Thank you for your time. No worries. Thank you.